This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. So the time has come. The page is turned. We look ahead to 2022, the NFL draft, the college football season, and we start getting ready for the next wave of prospects here at Saturday Sunday. If you have missed any of the summer shows, Jeff Abercrombie and I put together our overall dynasty ranking, something we've never done here at Saturday to Sunday. Please make sure you go back and check out those four episodes. Those rankings are going to be up for free on the website uh, within the week. And then those rankings will also be part of the new premium notebooks that will be launched uh, close to September. And they will be updated much more frequently in the premium notebooks. They will be in the rankings notebook with so many other rankings. If you missed the most recent episode, I had Matt Harmon on. He's a guest every single year here. He was on. We talked the rookie wide receivers. We talked second year wide receivers to kind of set the foundation for that. Now we turn the page. The next four episodes here at Saturday to Sunday are going to be how we started this, our bread and butter previewing our film analysis on everything we've studied prior to the season starting. Everything we talk about in the next four episodes is what makes up the premium notebook for the scouting notebook, the 2022 scouting notebook. I'll talk about that a lot tonight as I'm talking about these players. And then after we get through these four episodes, I'm hoping to uh, circle back on some guests that I didn't get an opportunity to talk to post-NFL draft to kind of maybe set the stage for preview to start of the NFL season before we then get into our weekly shows each and every single week, uh, talking about what happened in college football, looking ahead, stock up, stock down, undraftable prospects, a look at some Debbie guys, and obviously checking in on the rookies in the NFL as well. So tonight, we're going to kick it off with the 2022 quarterback preview. And we're going to look through, I'm going to share my initial rankings. I'll break it into some tiers for you. And then I'm going to get, go through my scouting reports, uh, really emphasizing, you know, the top guys, the top, you know, 10 or 12. And then I will go through the remaining guys that I watched, you know, in a very quick hitter style. So overview on the position, I'm intrigued. I think we could end up having three or four first-round quarterback prospects. Right now, I feel confident two are locked in. I think by the time the year ends, a third one will be locked in, and then it, it, it's debatable whether or not we get to four. That's my feelings right now based on who I think is going to be available. I do think there is a – probability that we have then a handful more on day two. So I do think we're talking about having potentially six to eight quarterbacks go off the board in the top 100 and three to four, I feel confident about are going to end up being first rounders. I don't look at this class as I did the 2021 class because truth be told, 
there's no Trevor Lawrence. There's no one even close. There's no Justin Fields. There's no one ever even close. I'm not even sure where I was on Trey Lance. I don't even know if there's a Trey Lance in this class. So I think it's a little bit more of a different draft class. I kind of think this is a little bit more like the Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen class, and then Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson ended up making that a great class. I think this class is much more like that class. And that doesn't mean there's not going to be a lot of early picks because I'm sure there are. But in terms of the complete prospects, the guys that I felt were can't miss like Fields and Lawrence. And then Lance was a guy that I think if he played all last year, we would have felt like he was can't miss also. I don't think is anybody like that. I think the class with Baker and Darnold is much more comparable to what this is. And then we had the wild cards in Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. I feel like we kind of got those wild cards in this draft class as well. And I'll get to those guys as well. So I'm comparing it a little bit more to that draft class than I am the the most recent one uh, for sure. So without further ado, let me get right into it. Uh, I'll give an overview at the end of my rankings if it's hard to follow along, but usually I do this alphabetical, but I'm going to, I'm going to go through and, and introduce these guys in the, the, the way I have them currently ranked. Uh, at the top for me is Spencer Rattler. I know that could be a little bit uh, different than the consensus out there, but for me, Spencer Rattler sits at the top of my quarterback rankings out of Oklahoma you know, when I watched Rattler play, to me, six feet tall, 209 pounds, redshirt sophomore, draft eligible. You know, last year he threw for 28 touchdowns and seven interceptions. But when I watch him play, to me, while undersized, very good arm strength in terms of velocity and strength, he can make every NFL throw. Very good accuracy, quick release to all levels of the field. He shows good touch on the football when he throws it. Able to take off miles per hour when needed and put more on when he needs that. I see good athleticism and mobility with a great to elite ability to play off structure and throw on the run outside of the pocket. To me, that is needed in today's NFL. It's one of the most important traits. And I think Rattler has that, that ability that quick release, the quick delivery, and be able to play off structure is what intrigues me most about Spencer Rattler. You combine that with the athleticism. He's not going to be a guy who's going to run for a lot of yards, but he's going to be able to move around the pocket, inside the pocket, outside the pocket. You're going to be able to move the launch point with him. You know, I think the mechanics, the footwork, the anticipatory throws, I think they're all about average right now. So I, I like to think that those things could even improve. And he could even have more strengths, you know, kind of in his pecking order. A couple of things I want to see him improve, some developmental areas. You know, I'd like to see him go through progressions at Oklahoma. I think it's a very easy one or two reads. Are we going to get a chance to see him go through progressions with consistent basis? Not sure against the defenses he faces. He's got to clean up some decision-making. He only had seven interceptions, but I thought there were a couple instances where he put the ball in harm's way, and he could improve upon his decision-making, his mental processing, handling pressure in the pocket. You know, the scheme creates so many wide-open passing options. 
So those are a couple of things I, I think I expect him to improve upon. And, you know, some we might not know about the ability to go for progressions. He just might not be able, he might not need to at the collegiate level with the scheme that Oklahoma is running. I think he's a franchise caliber quarterback. I think he's going top 10. You know, to me, he's a guy who air raid spread up tempo, some RPO concepts, you know, constant movement of the launch point, I think will cater to his strengths. So, you know, Spencer Rattler, my QB one, uh, right behind him is for many people, their quarterback one, but for me, that's QB two. And that's Sam Howell at a UNC junior six, one, two twenty. you know, last year for 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions. When I watch him play to me, there's a lot of Baker Mayfield to his game when I watch him play. Average size, frames good. I think he's got very good arm talent in terms of velocity, strength, to push the ball vertically down the field. He can make every NFL pro. I think he's got good accuracy and touch to all three levels of the field. He displays great toughness and poise handling pressure in the pocket. He's a great vertical passer down the field. Those are the things that I think are his best attributes. I think the decision-making, his athleticism and mobility, navigating inside the pocket, playing off structure, throwing on the run, for him, I think that's about average. You know, and th- To me, that was my difference between Rattler and Howell. For me, I've seen Rattler be very comfortable doing that, and it's a strength. It's something that I think he can rely on at the next level. For Sam Howell, I think he's – functional at it. I think it's an average skill in terms of his traits that he's good at. I have a little bit more reservations about Sam Howell than I think the national perception is of him. The scheme, similar to similar to Rattler, leaves some question marks out there. We haven't seen Sam Howell go through progressions often. When he has had to, sometimes I see him lock onto the primary read too quickly. The scheme creates wide open passing lanes. You don't, when you watch Sam Howell's film, you do not see a lot of tight window NFL pros. And we talked about this when Tua came out a couple years ago. College open, NFL open, very differently. We still got to learn if Tua is comfortable with NFL open compared to college open. And I think Sam Howell is going to have to get adjusted to that too when the time comes. And then I don't think Sam Howell has much rushing ability. I think he's fine. He can do some RPO concepts. He's athletic enough, but he's not going to be a guy who's going to do a lot on the ground. He's, he's kind of, again, the comp that's been out there and I kind of like it is Baker Mayfield. There were questions about Baker coming out of the Oklahoma scheme, average athleticism, good arm talent, good accuracy, tough. There's a lot of similarities. So someone's going to fall in love with Sam Howell. He's going to be looked at as a franchise quarterback for sure. I think he goes top 10. A lot of different offense spread, vertical base passing offense, whether it's pro style, whether it's spread. You could use some RPO concepts. He's comfortable with that. He's familiar with that. So for me, Rattler one, Sam Howell two. Third is where it gets interesting. And I have this guy in the same tier as where I have Rattler and Sam Howell, based on his traits, based on some of his film, I think he's going to be this year's mediocre rise. 
this year's Zach Wilson. I don't think a lot of people have him third. I don't think a lot of people have him as a first-round pick. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think by the time it's all said and done, he's another top 10 or top 15 pick. The name I'm talking about is Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. This has been the guy here, my co-host Matt Caraccio. He's, he's been talking him up for years. A little bit of a rocky start for Corral to his collegiate career. 6'1", 198 pounds. Got to add a little bit to that frame. Kind of want to see him at like 210 by the time he gets to the NFL. I'm sure he'll get there. But when you watch him play, yeah, he's got average size. We're talking very good to great arm talent in terms of velocity and strength. He can make every NFL throw. Tight window throws. Vertical. Out routes. Back shoulder throws. There's not a throw that Matt Corral can't make. He'll push the ball vertically. He'll push it outside the numbers. He'll put it into tight windows. Mobility. He has it to move around inside and outside the pocket. Talked about Spencer Rattler being comfortable playing off structure. Corral has it too. Very good at playing off structure and throwing on the run. Quick release. Corral also has the ability to throw from multiple platforms and arm angles. When you're handling pressure, the ability to have that in your arsenal helps a lot. It truly does help a lot. Some things that I think are about functional, anticipatory throws, competitive toughness, the mechanics. I think that's stuff that right now you look at him and I would say it's good, it's average, solid. For him, it's the consistency. That's the number one thing I want to see this year. He's got to clean up his decision-making. 14 interceptions last year. He's got to clean it up. He's got to limit those turnovers. He's got to show better mental processing. Show the ability to read defenses and read coverages better. Those are things that we're going to be looking for in terms of that improvement this year. But this is a guy who rushed for 506 yards last year, four touchdowns on top of the 29 passing touchdowns. I talked before how this class reminded me a little bit of that Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold class. Matt Corral, while it's not at a smaller school like Wyoming, and he's not this physical freak like Josh Allen was, Matt Corral's kind of like the Josh Allen of this quarterback class for me. If Sam Howell is like Baker Mayfield, Spencer Rattler, I don't have a perfect comp from that draft class, but Matt Corral, but if you kind of say Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler are like the Darnold and Baker, the clear guys at the top, I think Matt Corral's the wild card, just like Josh Allen was a wild card. I think he's going to end up going round one. I think we're going to see him skyrocket. I want him in an offense that's spread out, air raid, vertical-based passing concepts. You can do a lot of RPO stuff. You can move the launch point. I'm intrigued with Matt Corral. 
I can see a scenario where I'm more intrigued with him than Sam Howell before opening night of the 2022 NFL draft. Not saying definitely, but if Corral shows the improvement and if there's still some of those lingering questions on Sam Howell, I could see Corral even jumping him for me in my rankings. That's how high and intrigued I am with Matt Corral. I think he goes one of two ways. He shines and he's a top 10 pick. He doesn't shine, inconsistency, decision-making issues, and he falls, similar to like Jared Stidham, his final year in college. I'm betting on the upswing. So Corral's third for me. Fourth in my rankings. Malik Willis, Liberty. Maybe it's an easy comp, but there, but it's, but, but it's one that I think does good, good service, good justice, and it's Jalen Hurts. That's just where Malik Willis is. Malik Willis is right now in his in his process. There's some things he does better already, to be frankly honest with you, but. When you watch Malik Willis play out of Liberty, we're talking about a guy who's six feet, 218 pounds. Last year, he threw for 20 touchdowns, rushed for almost 1,000 yards and 14 more touchdowns. Yeah, he's a little bit undersized at six feet tall, but he's got a good frame. Talking great athleticism, great mobility, rushing ability, and elusiveness in the open field. We're talking very good to great arm talent. Sometimes you don't see these running quarterbacks who have the arm talent. Malik Willis has it. Very good to great arm talent in terms of velocity and strength. He can throw the ball vertically. He can throw the ball outside the numbers. He can put it in to tight windows. He can play off structure. And he can throw from the run from multiple arm angles. So he's got some traits that were similar to what I talked about with Rattler and similar to what I talked about with Corral. They intrigue me. Okay? I think his accuracy is about average right now. Ball placement about average. Decision-making about average. Things that I want to see. I mean, obviously, the level of competition is a little bit of a concern. But as we've seen over the last couple of years, it's not a deal breaker. I try to look at the traits. Understanding that it's going to be harder. Look for the traits. There's some inconsistency in terms of ball placement. You don't see a lot of anticipatory throws and a lot of throws with touch. Just doesn't need to. He's got to show he can go through progressions better, faster. The mental processing side of it. Not a lot of film with him handling pressure. And he's got to clean up his mechanics a little bit, a little bit inconsistent. So there's more areas there that I listed for developmental areas than any of the other quarterbacks. And that's because there's a lot I want to see with him still. There's a lot to be determined, but I'm very intrigued. To me, there's a scenario where he could be, for fantasy, the rookie QB1. 
with that ability to rush for a thousand yards. He's got that in his, he's got that in his arsenal. He if he's a starting quarterback in 2022 in the NFL, over under on rushing yards is probably going to be 750. I think he and I think he's going to run. He's going to run a lot. So he's very intriguing to me with the way the NFL is with what we've seen from Jalen Hurts in a small sample size. And now Philadelphia is going to give him every opportunity this year. I think he's going to get an opportunity to be a starting quarterback. A team's going to put him, create a spread offense, a lot of zone reads, a lot of RPOs, some vertical based passing concepts to attack vertically down the field. Right now, I think he's on the trajectory to be a top 50 pick. He could even go further. He can even go earlier in round one. There's a scenario where he can go top 10, top 15, top 20. For me right now, I have him on the round one, round two border. I would bet he's gone by pick 40 or pick 50 right now if the NFL draft was tomorrow. He has a good year this year. You could see that move all the way up into round one, well into round one. Very intrigued by Malik Willis. So for me... We kind of have those top three guys in their own tier. I think they're all clear going to be round one guys. And then Malik Willis is kind of in its own tier right underneath them. That's how my top four looks. Those are the guys I'm most intrigued with. My next group of tier, guys who I think are going to go on day two. Carson Strong out of Nevada. Keaton Slovis out of USC. JT Daniels out of Georgia. He's another wild card. Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. Ritter might fall to day three. I'm intrigued with him enough to say I'll put him in this tier. When I watch Carson Strong play, there's a lot to like about his game. But he's a very traditional Old school style player. 6'4", 212 pounds, redshirt junior out of Nevada. Last year, 27 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's got ideal size and frame. Very good to great arm talent in terms of velocity and strength to make every NFL pro. He shows good accuracy to all three levels of the field. Displays good toughness in the pocket when under pressure and has a quick release. Those are the things that I think he's at his best at. I think he's average or functional in a, in a bunch of other categories too. Anticipatory pros, touch pros, mental processing, pocket presence, and pocket awareness. Some developmental areas for him or concerns I have, lack of athleticism, mobility, and rushing ability. He's just not a guy In this generation, we don't see a lot of these guys be, be successful. When's the last time we've seen a traditional pocket-passing quarterback pan out? They don't happen too often anymore. I mean, look where Jacob Eason fell. This is a guy that 10, 12 years ago, he would begin like Drew Bledsoe-type comparisons. Big arm, ideal size, accuracy, toughness. But for him, the lack of athleticism and mobility, the 
Not a guy who's going to play off structure and throw on the run a lot. Some prior injury concerns. A little bit of inconsistency in terms of mechanics and footwork. He's got to clean that up a little bit. But there's a lot to like about Strong's game. If you're looking for that more traditional pocket passing quarterback, I think Bruce Arians. You know, if Kyle Trask could go where he did, Carson Strong could go the same spot, you know, on day two. Carson Strong's probably a better prospect. He's got more tools than a guy like Kyle Trask. You know, we saw, you know, Davis Mills, Carson Strong, better prospect, hands down. So I do think he's got a chance to be a starting quarterback at the NFL level. I think he's going to be a day two pick. Vertical base passing offense. Lot to like about Strong's game, but I think his upside is a little limited with the lack of athleticism. A little bit more old school in terms of style of play. Next up for me is Caden Slovis at USC. Slovis is a weird one because I think we thought he, we were going to see more growth last year. Last year, 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions, shortened season due to COVID. The junior out of USC, 6'3", 203 pounds. He's got good size. I'd probably say the frame's about average. I think he's got very good accuracy and ball placement to all levels of the field. I like his touch and, and the ability to throw in anticipation. He shows the ability to go through progressions. I like the mental processing, the pocket presence. To me, the arm talent is probably just about average in terms of velocity and strength, average athleticism and mobility, but shows the pocket presence and navigate inside the pocket to make the rows. So for me, Slovis has some intriguing traits. Quick release, good mental processor, Good accuracy to all three levels of the field. Arm talent's about just average. Athleticism, mobility, about average. Shows some ability to play off structure. It's not a strength of his. It's not a weakness. Like, strong. Some things I want to see improvement. He's got to be more productive this year. A lot of inconsistent production last year. He's got to clean up his mechanics a little bit. So I clean up his decision-making a little bit. Well, he only threw seven interceptions. Thought there were more instances where he put the ball in jeopardy more than that. To me, I watch him play. I think right now, coming off the sophomore film, high-end backup quarterback to average starting quarterback. Somewhere in that. But again, we just saw Davis Mills and Kyle Trask go on day two. I like Slovis more. I definitely like Strong more. So these guys are, these guys can go day two. Teams are okay with a guy whose role might be high-end backup quarterback to average starting quarterback. Some teams are willing to take that. To me, you better put him in a West Coast-style offense or a spread offense. He's probably got the arm talent to, to run a more traditional pro-style offense. But I think West Coast, 
spread is kind of where he fits. I think he's a day two type guy. Next up for me, JT Daniels. I think JT Daniels, you're going to see move up this list. I think you're going to see him make a little trajectory upward once we get a whole another year from him. So JT Daniels, one of the most highly regarded high school prospects, his draft class, ended up at Georgia after originally starting his career at USC. Redshirt, junior, 6'3", 210 pounds. Last year, once he took the reins, 14 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. You look at him, good size, average frame. Good to very good arm talent. Has the velocity and strength to make tight window throws. Attack vertically down the field and outside the numbers. Shows a quick release. He can throw from different arm angles and platforms and throw on the run. His accuracy is probably average to above average right now. Room to grow. So similar to some of the things I talked about earlier with Rattler, with Corral. I think him to Corral is a very intriguing comparison. They're very toolsy. Corral has shown more consistency, more high-end production. That's why he's furthered up this list and JT Daniels down here. But there's a scenario where JT Daniels can push himself up and him and Corral could be looked at as very comparable players. The difference is, I think Corral has much more athleticism. And that's the X factor. I think Daniels can throw in the run. Different arm angles, stuff like that. Tight window throws. I think his accuracy, like I said, is probably about average. Toughness, anticipatory and touch throws. Functional, play enough structure. He can do it. But for him, a lot of things I need to see improve this year. Decision-making, minimizing turnovers right at the top. He needs a lot more experience. Give him a whole nother year here at Georgia as the starter. We'll get a much better read on him. At times, he's too aggressive. Puts the ball in harm's way too often. He's not going to give you much in terms of rushing ability or mobility around the pocket. He can move a little bit and throw on the run. Design stuff. He's not going to add much in terms of RPO concepts. His athleticism is below average. He's got to clean up his footwork a little bit. He has a past ACL injury that we got to monitor. And he really seems to get a little skittish when handling pressure. So there's some things he's got to work on. Right now, my grade form, backup quarterback, but the upside to develop into a starting quarterback because he's got the tools. He's got the traits. He's got to put it together. Spread, air raid, push the ball vertically. That's what we're talking about here with JT Daniels. I think he's got the natural tools to, to go in, on day two for sure. So he's next on my list. And then the last guy I kind of put in this tier is Desmond Ritter. And I thought Ritter was going to come out last year. I can't watch Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati and not think Colin Kaepernick. It's just impossible. When I when I watched him last year, I thought that. When I watched him again for this year, all I see is Colin Kaepernick when Kaepernick was coming out of Nevada. So Ritter's a redshirt senior, 6'4", 215 pounds. Last year, he threw for 19 touchdowns. He also rushed for 592 yards and 12 touchdowns. We're talking about a dual threat here. 
Good size, average frame. Good to very good arm talent. Capable of making any and any NFL pro outside the numbers. Vertically down the field. Good to very good athleticism, rushing ability, and mobility. He's got a quick release from multiple art, arm angles or platforms with the ability to play outside the pocket, playoff structure, and throw on the run. If you watch him play, I am not sure how anybody can watch him play and not in Colin Kaepernick. The stride length, everything about his game reminds me of Colin Kaepernick. I think he's about functional right now in terms of his touch, decision-making, the mechanics, and footwork. I think it's solid. I don't think it's a strength. I don't think it's a weakness. Solid. In terms of areas I want to see him improve upon, he's got some inconsistency, inconsistent accuracy at times. I know what the numbers show, but if you watch it, some inconsistent accuracy in ball placement. You don't see a lot of anticipatory throws. You see more open, see it, throw it. Got a not really comfortable playing under center. This doesn't ask to do it. Shotgun, pistol. Don't see him going through progressions that often in the scheme he's asked to run. But to me, similar to JT Daniels, I'd grade him as a backup quarterback with the upside developed into a starting NFL quarterback. I think he belongs on day two. I don't think it's a guy you throw right into the mix from day one. But I look at the day two guys. I think JT Daniels could be a starting quarterback, and he can be drafted on day two. I think Carson Strong will be the first one of these guys taken, and very high up chance for him to develop into a starting quarterback. And then there's Desmond Ritter. Those are the guys. And Eden Slovis as well. Strong, Slovis, Daniels, Ritter. Those are the guys in my next tier that I think all go day two and could potentially be high-end backups to average starting NFL quarterbacks. And they all bring something different. You want the traditional pocket-passing quarterback? That's strong. You want the the West Coast game manager style quarterback? That's Slovis. You want the dual threat guy? That's Desmond Ritter. And you want the toolsy arm talent guy? That's JT Daniels. They all kind of have their thing. That makes up my second tier of guys. My next group of guys goes, and this would be probably its next tier, would be Jaden Daniels out of Arizona State, Phil Jerkovic out of Boston College, Brock Purdy out of Iowa State, Graham Mertz out of Wisconsin. That would kind of make up my next tier. Now, with these guys, I'm going to go through a little bit quicker. If we talk about Jaden Daniels, he's another guy, a little bit of an X factor. He could be a fantasy riser for sure if he's a riser in terms of the NFL's eyes. He's 6'4". He's only 185 pounds. He's got to add bare minimum 15 pounds. There's things right off the bat that he's got to improve upon. 
his accuracy, his completion percentage last year was 58%. I know they didn't play a lot of games. 58%. And numbers mean very minimal. I don't, I was the one screaming from the hilltop. Don't worry about Josh Allen's completion numbers. It's not just about the completion percentage here with Jaden Daniels. It's you watch the film, it's ball placement, it's general accuracy. He's got to improve across the board. So right off the bat, he's got to gain at least 15 pounds. He's got to improve the accuracy to be at least average. He's got to add strength. That'll probably come with the weight, but he's got to improve his play strength. He's got to clean up his mechanics and his footwork. He's got to show the ability to be comfortable in the pocket, be a good decision maker, go through progressions. He's got to show all of that. But what what makes him intriguing? He does have good size at 6'4". He's got very good arm talent. He can throw the ball outside the numbers. He can throw it vertically down the field. He's got a quick release. He shows some touch. What's the true X factor? Very good to great athleticism. Rushing ability. Mobility. The ability to throw on the run. Playoff structure. Utilize heavy RPO concepts. Pick up chunk yards with his legs. This guy, his stride length, his speed, he picks up yards in a hurry when he gets on the move. I'd be surprised if he comes out after this year. But I think he's an intriguing name to have on this list. Nobody after the top eight has more upside on my list than Jaden Daniels. Nobody. Because he's got arm talent and he's got special athleticism. So to me, he's a developmental quarterback. That's what I would classify him right now. A developmental quarterback. But he's got the natural athleticism and arm talent to potentially be a starter down the line. You better play spread. You better do RPOs. Better push the ball vertically down the field. So to me, he's a vapory guy right now. Can he catapult himself? We'll see. I'm intrigued by him. Next up was Phil Jerkovic out of Boston College. Listen, to me, Jerkovic is very, very similar to Carson Strong, just not as not as good. You know, in terms of stylistically, I think they're very, very similar prospects. Jerkovic out of Boston College, 6'5", 228 pounds. The redshirt junior. Great frame and size. Average to above average athleticism and mobility. So that's the one difference. Strong, no athleticism and mobility. Jerkovic, I would I would classify probably about average. Average to above average athleticism and mobility for a guy 6'5". Good play strength to break tackles in the pocket and avoid sacks. And very good arm talent in terms of velocity and strength with the ability to make every NFL throw outside the numbers and vertically down the field. To me, he's another pocket-passing quarterback. He's got a little bit more athleticism than Strong, but his arm talent is good, where I think Carson Strong is very good to great. 
We've seen Strong put up better stats, better production, show more consistency. Jerkovic shows the ability to make anticipatory and touch throws. I would say that's probably about average. I think his mechanics, his release, his delivery, all about average. Checks those boxes. Inconsistency in terms of accuracy and ball placement are what concerns me. Pocket presence, pocket awareness, mental processing, going for progressions. Didn't see enough of it in the film that was available. So I think Jerkovic is a backup quarterback. Maybe he's got the upside to be a spot starter, but I think that's kind of his calling card. I think he's a backup quarterback. Maybe he could be a spot starter if he shows a little bit more consistency. Not a lot of value in fantasy. Vertical-based passing offense, I think I think he can run a pro-style offense. Maybe a spread, but I think a pro-style is probably better. He'd be at number 10 for me right now. Next up would be Brock Purdy out of Iowa State. Now, this is an interesting one because a year ago, Purdy was a guy generating a lot of buzz in the fantasy community, the draft community, the Devi community. But now another year has passed. The senior out of Iowa State, 6'1", 216 pounds. Average size and frame. One of his best traits is his ability to throw a good touch and make anticipatory throws. Good accuracy thrown in the middle of the field between the hash marks. Quick release, above average to good athleticism, mobility, and rushing ability. Rusher for 82 yards and five touchdowns last year. He can throw on the run. He can play off structure. Average arm talent, though, in terms of velocity and strength. Above average accuracy in the short to intermediate parts of the field. Those are his strengths. Things that I would classify probably about functional average mental processing, his pocket presence, his decision-making. Right, he said his arm talent is there as well, release mechanics. For me, my concern with him, he's got to be better protecting the football, ball security, vertical accuracy, and ball placement. I talked before, between the hash marks, very comfortable. Not so comfortable pushing it down the field and outside the numbers. That's concerning. Not a lot of tight window throws and not a lot of NFL throws outside the numbers. So to me, similar to Jerkovic, backup quarterback, upside to develop into a spot starter in the right scheme. There are enough schemes. There might be more schemes for Brock Purdy to be the backup the way the NFL is played now than there is for Jerkovic, right? It's just one of those things. We don't see a lot of those traditional pocket passing quarterbacks. Now, Jerkovic, a little bit more athleticism than a guy like Strong. He's the most traditional pocket-passing quarterback in this class. But Purdy's got a little bit of movement to him. Okay? So Purdy would be my 11th guy. And then the last guy in that tier would be Graham Mertz out of Wisconsin. Now, when I watch Mertz, I say he's a redshirt sophomore. Odds are low that he comes out, but I want to get a little glimpse of him from now. He's 6'3", 214. I like the size. Good size, average frame. But like somebody, like who I was just talking about, 
He's another traditional pocket passing quarterback. Good to very good arm talent in terms of velocity and strength. He can make every throw. He can push it outside the numbers. He can push it vertically down the field. He's got solid mechanics, footwork, and release point of the football. Shows the ability to throw with touch. Where we need to see improvement. I don't think his athleticism is going to improve. I don't think his mobility or his rushing ability is going to improve. So that those are just straight concerns. But things that we could see better, things that we could see develop. Right now, inconsistent accuracy and ball placement. Got to get better. Decision making, reading coverages, mental processing, going through progressions, anticipatory pros. Those are all things that can get better. To me, the pro style offense, vertical based passing concepts, off of play action. Another guy, backup quarterback, Dave Bree. He's got some upside and tools to maybe become a spot starter. So that's kind of another tier break. In that little tier was just rehash. We had Jay, we had Jaden Daniels, Phil Jerkovic, Brock Purdy, and Graham Mertz. Day, Daniels is the only one that has a lot of upside and intrigue there. I think Jerkovic and Mertz are more traditional pocket passing quarterback. Jerkovic's a little bit more athleticism. Purdy's got more athleticism playing the run, but arm talent and NFL style pros are the big question marks with him. Then my late round UDFA type guys. Deary King, I feel like I've been talking about him forever out of Miami. Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota. Sean Clifford out of Penn State. Anthony Russo out of Michigan State. Jake Bentley, who's been talking about him forever. He's now at South Alabama. And finally, let's see the return to football for Mackenzie Milton, who's now with the Seminoles of Florida State. If we talk about a couple of these guys, let's start with the Eric King. The Eric King is a guy from when he was at Houston, really intrigued me. And there's still a lot to be intrigued. I just don't know if he's going to be an NFL quarterback or he's going to be a slash offensive weapon. Last year, rushed for 538 yards and four touchdowns, threw for 23 touchdowns. In 2018, he rushed for 14 touchdowns 700 yards and threw for another 36. 2019, he only played four games due to injury. Rushed for 312 yards and six touchdowns in four games and 663 passing yards. He's extremely undersized. 5'11", 195 pounds. He's at Miami now, if I didn't say it. So yes, very undersized. His arm talent is just average. His accuracy is just average. He throws with good touch. He shows the ability to make anticipatory throws. But similar to Jaden Daniels, what makes him so intriguing, and he's more advanced than Jaden Daniels in terms of his passing, but he's also got a, he's also shorter, the track record, the injury. Very good to great athleticism, mobility and rushing ability. Makes big plays with his legs on design runs, RPOs, or when the play breaks down, he has to play off structure and throw on the run. First style to be an offensive weapon. He started his career as a wide receiver. He shows agility, quickness, 
and speed in the open field. Are we going to see him change positions, be an offensive weapon, be a pass-catching running back, be a slot-wide receiver? There's durability concerns. There's accuracy concerns. There's handling pressure, the size. I think he can play NFL quarterback, especially the way the NFL is played now. But a team might look at him and think he's better as an offensive weapon. This guy's a playmaker in space. Get him to find a way to use him on offense, not as a quarterback. So it's going to be interesting. But in the right scheme, he can be a, a third-string quarterback with the upside development to a backup quarterback in the right scheme who also can be used as an offensive weapon in a slash role. I'm still intrigued with the Eric Kink. He's the one guy from this list that I would say, well, he might be a late-day free guy or UDFA guy. I'm most intrigued after those top 10 guys or so. Or sorry, after those top 12 guys. Tanner Morgan, Sean Clifford, Anthony Russo, Jake Bentley, and Mackenzie Milton. Let's talk about them. A little rapid fire here to close out the show. Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota, redshirt senior, 6'1", 206 pounds. Talked about him last year. To me, he's got average size and frame, average arm talent in terms of velocity and strength, average to above average accuracy in the short to intermediate parts in the field. Shows decent touch. With the ability to make anticipatory throws, above average mechanics, footwork and release, above average decision-making with good mental processing and poised to handle pressure well. I think he's a late-date for a UDFA-type prospect. I think he's a third-string quarterback on the upside, maybe to develop into a backup quarterback as a game manager. Sean Clifford out of Penn State. Redshirt senior, 6'2", 220 pounds. Rushed for 402 yards last year and five touchdowns. So he's got some running capabilities to him. He's got good size and frame. Above average to good arm talent in terms of velocity and strength. Above average to good athleticism. Mobility inside and outside the pocket. Rushing ability and use of RPO concepts. Above average to good pocket movement. With average to above average ability to throw on the move. Big concern here. Accuracy, ball placement. It tips anticipatory and timing throws, reading coverages, mental processing, a lot of things that he's got to improve in terms of the passing component of it. So arm talent's okay. His athleticism's good. But to me, he's a developmental third-string practice squad type quarterback, another guy we're talking late day for re or UDFA prospect. Anthony Russo. A couple of years ago, I was intrigued by him at Temple. Now he's going to go play for Michigan State. Can he make a name for himself there? I think we will be watching closely. 6'4", 230 pounds. So he's got ideal size and frame. I mean, that's how they that's how you write it up at the quarterback, 6'4", 230. It's almost Big Ben style. Above average to good arm talent. He can make every throw. He can push the ball outside the numbers, vertically down the field. We started out his time at Temple. A lot of competitive toughness. Willing to stand tall in the pocket under pressure and take a hit as he releases the ball. He's got average to above average touch and anticipation and the, the ability to change velocities when needed. A lot of accuracy concerns, though. 
all three levels of the field, ball placement. Turnovers have been an issue most of his career in college. So the decision-making, the mental processing, handling pressure, all got to improve if Anthony Russo is going to make it, even as a backup quarterback. I think he's a late date for a UDFA guy, third string, got some tools, maybe to develop into a backup quarterback. Jake Bentley. We've been talking about him forever. We've been talking about him since Brian Edwards and Debo Samuel were doing work at South Carolina. He ended up at Utah last year. Now he's going to go play for South Alabama. 6'4", 220. Got good size and frame. Average to above average arm talent. Average to above average athleticism to move around the pocket a little bit. You can move the launch point with him. He can throw on the run. Average accuracy in the short to intermediate parts of the field with a quick release. Can get the ball out quickly when facing pressure. Showed good toughness at his time at South Carolina. Once upon a time, I thought this guy had day two skills. There's been a lot that's, that's happened to him. Injuries, transfers, inaccuracy, not being able to handle pressure. At this point, I think he's a UDFA prospect. Practice squad developmental type quarterback. And last but not least, Mackenzie Milton coming off of that gruesome injury years ago. We haven't seen him. He didn't play in 2019. He didn't play in 2020. Last we saw him at UCF, it was in 2018. He was thrown for 25 touchdowns, rushing in another nine. Very short at 5'11", 185 pounds. Florida State's been a mess. The quarterback position has been abysmal. Can McKenzie Milton change that this year? Obviously undersized, but how does he win? You can move the launch point consistently on design rollouts and RPO concepts. He shows very good ability to throw while on the move. He's got a quick release and can throw from different platforms and arm angles, which allows him to compensate at times for his size. He throws with average Above average to good touch and anticipation to lead his receivers. So, yeah, he's a little undersized, but he's got some athleticism to his game pre-injury. We don't know it's still there. He can extend the play, playoff structure. Those are the McKenzie Milton we saw. Obviously, size, frame, durability, ball placement, vertical passing, Inconsistent on NFL throws, those are all concerns. We're talking about another, if he makes it, developmental practice squad type quarterback. So the back end there, I think I don't think you're going to see those guys drafted. Mackenzie Milton, Jake Bentley, Anthony Russo, Sean Clifford, Tanner Morgan. De'Ara King is a little bit of a wild card because I think he will get drafted probably as an offensive weapon. If not, he'll be a high-priority free agent because people will be intrigued by the athleticism. So there it is, guys. 18 quarterbacks watched. Full analysis. That will all be in the 2022 scouting notebook. You get their height. You get their weight. You get their stats. You get their strengths. You get their functional areas. You get their developmental areas and concerns. You get their NFL role. You get their scheme fit that best suits their skills. And then you get the fantasy spin. What they will be, what their upside could be. I'm intrigued by this quarterback class. Like I said before, I think Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Matt Corral 
are first round guys. In my opinion, I think Malik Willis is going to push himself into that mix too. I think right now Rattler and Howell are the only two. I think Corral and Willis pushed themselves into that mix. And then I think we have a bunch of guys who could be day two guys and be intriguing from Strong to Slovis to JT Daniels and to Desmond Ritter. And then after that, day three guys with intrigue. The most intriguing one is Jaden Daniels out of Arizona State. Doubt he comes out. Lies got to develop, but intriguing athleticism. And then Phil Jerkovic out of Boston College. If he played well this year, I could see him being somewhat intriguing to teams as well. Then I think you see Purdy, Mertz, probably as like fifth round guys, sixth round guys. And then we'll see if anybody else sneaks in late in the draft as a seventh round guy or UDFA. That's where I would put these guys. To close it out, I do have a watch list with some more names. This is alphabetical order. I'll run through these guys quickly. Keep a close eye on these guys. Some of these guys are are better and more talented than some of the guys I talked about tonight. There just was not enough film that I felt comfortable writing a report on these guys. Miles Brennan out of LSU. Keep a close eye. Charlie Brewer out of Utah. Anthony Brown out of Oregon. Caleb Ellaby out of Western Michigan. Dylan Gabriel out of UCF. Emory Jones out of Florida. Dustin Crum out of Kent State. Bo Nix out of Auburn. Michael Penix Jr. out of Indiana. Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. Tyler Shaw out of Texas Tech. And Dorian Thompson-Robinson out of UCLA. From that list, Emory Jones is the real one to watch. If you tell me there's a guy who could catapult himself from this watch list to day two, it's Emory Jones. Keep a close eye on Emory Jones. There just was not enough film on YouTube for me to feel comfortable writing a full scouting report. But this is a guy who in the glimpses was very, very intriguing. I'm intrigued with Emory Jones. Next guy I'm intrigued with is Caleb Ellaby out of Western Michigan and Miles Braden out of LSU. So keep a close eye on those guys. Bo Nix, obviously the raw tools was like the number one quarterback prospect coming out of high school. Been very inconsistent. Still leave the light on for him because he's got the athletic tools. So you're talking about Emory Jones, Bo Nix, Caleb Ellaby, and Miles Brennan. Those are the four guys on my watch list here out of the names I ran off that I could see me eventually writing full reports on and getting them in the 2022 scouting notebook. So guys, I'm going to be talking about these guys all year, especially the top guys, those top eight to 12 guys. I'm sure it'll be talked about fairly regularly on the in-season shows. It'll be interesting to kind of see. Does Rattler solidify himself at the top spot? Do I fall back to Howell, which is what many other people have? How far can Corral catapult himself? And can Malik Willis from Liberty push his way into that mix as well? Could we have another four guys in the top 10 or top 15? And if so, is it these four guys I'm talking about? Or is there a surprise? Does JT Daniels catapult himself up? Does Slovis make a move back up? Is there a guy we're not even talking about yet who becomes the talk of the town and a guy you know, similar to Joe Burrow going from day three, you know, into, you know, the, the first pick in the draft or the top 10 in the draft. Look what the, the rise that Zach Wilson made. Is there somebody that we're not talking about that can make that kind of rise? I don't know. 
I, I, I think the guys on the watch list that are most intriguing to me are Emory Jones, Miles Brennan. Like I said, uh, those could be some of the guys, but I don't expect anybody to make that Zach Wilson, Joe Burrow type jump. I just, I just don't see it this year. I think I've talked about the guys. Can anybody from my day two guys make a jump into round one? I think that's possible. I think that's possible. I think Strong, Slovis, and Daniels would be the ones that are most likely. I, I think Ritter as a redshirt senior, I think that would be hard for him. So I, I would think it's either Strong, Slovis, or my one guy that would be most likely would be JT Daniels playing at Georgia. A lot of opportunity to really shine. He could be the guy, former big-time high school recruit. He'd be the guy, if somebody from my day two list makes that jump, it would be him. But I, I'm looking at the top four guys. To me, I, I kind of expect those guys to kind of separate themselves from the second tier. It'll be interesting to see if anybody else pushes their way into that top four mix during the college football season. So there it is, guys. Part one of our 2022 preview. This was talking quarterbacks, sharing my ranking, sharing my scouting reports. All of these scouting reports are going to be in the premium notebooks. They're going to launch close to the start of the college football season, the real weekend, opening weekend, that Labor Day weekend. Expect, you know, you'll hear there'll be a podcast uh, letting the audience know that the notebooks have went live. It'll be all over the Twitter feed, uh, but that's where you find it. And here's the beauty of it, guys. If you're new to Saturday, Sunday, these scouting reports are going to change a lot. They're going to change on a Saturday. You might look at something Saturday morning. It might be different by Saturday night. You look at it this summer or the start of the football season, I guarantee you by December or by next year's draft, it's going to change. We we do it on the Google platform so it is easy to edit. You don't have to re-download it. You just have to save the links to once you buy it. You save the links, you bookmark the links, and then it can be updated in real time. I might be watching the game the first weekend of college football. I see something. I immediately might go in and change something in the scouting reports. They are not stale and stagnant. They are, are constantly being updated and edited, major updates, you know, midway of the season, and then most updates come after the season. Players will be added throughout the year and then definitely added uh, in the pre-draft process as well. Right now, there's 18 reports. My guess is that, you know, goes up somewhere into the, the low 20s. Usually quarterbacks, I don't have to add too many guys, but there's usually a couple guys that I'll have to add, whether it be during the season or after the season as well. I want to make sure I have guys, anybody who could be a, if they're potentially a top four pick, a top four round pick, they will be added at some point. You know, I, I don't look to add guys who are going to be like a seventh round pick. I might share my thoughts on them on, on the website. I mean, on the on the podcast, on Twitter. Uh, they'll be in the draft projections notebook. But, you know, in terms of adding them to the scouting notebook and doing a full deep dive, uh, you know, film evaluation, usually guys who would be like round four and above. But that's what that's the beauty of the scouting notebooks the way we did this a lot of updating a lot of editing easy to update easy to edit it's not a stale document it's not an old document you could use it on week one of the season you could use it on week 10 you can use it during bowl games you could use it during the day you know the senior bowl or the shrine bowl or the combine or leading right up to the draft or after next year's draft you know so it is a long range of of this being a worthwhile document for you and that's just one of the notebooks you get you get the you know the rankings notebook and then the, the draft projections notebook as well. Obviously, I'll be talking about them a lot more down the line. So, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Acano, and myself, hope you enjoyed this part one of previewing for the 2022 NFL uh, college football season in terms of the draft. 
So 2021 season, 2022 NFL draft. That's what we're already turning the page to. These are the 2022 prospects we're looking at. So until next time, when I take you from Saturday to Sunday.